Welcome to this week Global Bitcoin Fest and we are visiting Norway this week. Uh, very excited to hear from the guys and gals here. I'm sitting in a bathtub in a fjord and uh, you hear the birds chirping in the background. It is incredible, the nature and the people. And the Global Bitcoin Fest, we started back in 2021 and when Nayib Bukele announced his uh, intention to implement the Bitcoin law, we uh, started doing some spaces in Spanish in Central America, Latin America. And uh, the first space we did was in El Salvador. And it was incredibly political. And uh, we concluded that maybe we avoid just doing general tourist spaces. Maybe we just uh, give away free sats via lightning. And we did that in El Salvador, Mexico, Cuba, Venezuela, and we had a lot of fun and a small group here on, chat, uh, on Twitter formed in a chat. And after a couple of months, one person suggested, hey, let's do a 24-hour non-stop tourist space where we uh, celebrate the adoption of Bitcoin in El Salvador. And let's do it on the 7th of September when Bitcoin becomes legal tender in El Salvador. And um, we had six, seven days to get it done. And the first uh, 12 hours, um, most of us maybe thought it wasn't that good of an idea, but quite quickly, people latched onto the idea and uh, we became quite a lot of people that formed the idea as we were uh, developing it. And it was an amazing 24 hours. It was Bitcoin communities from all over the world that joined in, shared their stories and celebrated together. Uh, I think we had about 18 countries that participated with their communities. And after that experience, the uh, organizer group, just a group of plebs doing this for fun, we were like, okay, let's do this every week. And uh, let's do one country every week. So that's what we're doing, pretty much. A little bit like a uh, traveling uh, experience uh, virtually um, and visiting Bitcoiners in one country every time and hearing their stories. And uh, that's Global Bitcoin Fest. And today it's Norway. Very excited to do this space together with you guys. I'm Lucas. I'm a fairly recent maxi. I shitcoined back in 2013 when I first discovered Bitcoin, bought Feathercoin and Litecoin. I shitcoined again in 2017 when I got kicked out of my company, Scry.com, that I founded and uh, had some time to explore other things. Lost 98% and then in 2020, I actually looked into it properly when I sold my company and uh, had to think about what to do with the savings and realized that Bitcoin is the only alternative, the only safe alternative that automatically beats inflation. And today, I do these spaces because it's my way of contributing back to the community. And, uh, well, it's not just me. It's a group of people. We're doing spaces and um, 
I'm also building a startup that I'm not talking much about because I'm keeping it stealth mode at the moment. So that's me. And um, maybe over to Hodlonot. Yeah, sure. Uh, I discovered Bitcoin uh, in 2013 and uh, was immediately uh, like uh, caught by it. But the absolute scarcity part was what grabbed me immediately. So I started reading everything I could. There was a lot on the Bitcoin talk forum. Uh, opened an account at uh, JustCoin, the, the first Norwegian Bitcoin exchange. And uh, started to basically buy Bitcoin when I felt I could. I, I worked as a teacher back then, so I didn't have too much money to buy with, unfortunately. Um, there wasn't much of a community back then, so I kept uh, just posting and reading on Reddit and, and Bitcoin Talk. And uh, in 2017, I made a, a Twitter account. Uh, I, I guess I had a Twitter account already, but I made like a dedicated pseudonymous uh, Twitter account and uh, started shitposting a lot. Uh, and that led to a couple of weird things like uh, the lightning the lightning torch experiment on lightning that became pretty big and then uh, unfortunately getting getting sued by Craig Wright so I think those two things are what has led to the Hoblonaut account getting a lot of attention uh, so yeah I enjoy shitposting on Twitter uh about Bitcoin and politics, I guess, or I guess clown world, is better word. And uh, I also these days uh, publish uh, a magazine called Citadel Twenty One uh, together with uh, Bitcoin Cutter. So check it out at citadel 21com if you haven't. I guess that's my Bitcoin history. Thank you very much, and uh, please share a link uh, at the top if you want. Eric, what's up? up yeah hi everyone i'm um, i'm eurodale eric uh, founder of uh, the biggest bitcoin community in the world as members per capita of uh, kongerika which has gathered most of the bitcoin energy and community of uh, norway i actually just gotta shiver a little bit for a second we just finished a broadcast with uh, knut swanholm author of everything divided by 21 million. Knut was actually uh, at Yaido in Norway visiting us a couple of months ago with Hodronaut. So, uh, you know, a bit of a reunion through the different shows uh, tonight. Um, my story, I started out in politics and economics, worked on the euro crisis and the banking union uh, back in the 2010s, uh, ended up through various intricacies of institutions to become the advisor to the president on a certain topic. And uh, at the same time, I stumbled across the Bitcoin white paper. And it was a moral imperative almost to start to redirect your life. Uh, although it's hard to, of course, tell in, afterward, if the, in, in hindsight whether or not I was seeking out the Bitcoin paper because I already had moral qualms or if the Bitcoin paper articulated the moral qualms that I would have in the future. Impossible, but I couldn't continue that life. So I left the institutional life, tried a very unsuccessful startup a couple of years ago, learned a lot from that. And now I am um, 
doing my best to uh, educate people about Bitcoin and bring Norway into the future without causing too much harm. Yeah, passing it on to you, uh, Tobin. Thanks. So I felt that I discovered Bitcoin very late in 2013 because there was so much, or actually 2012, but uh, digging into it more in 2013 because there was so much happening. Uh, and I think, so I ended up doing my master thesis on Bitcoin actually while studying in London. Um, and when I came back, uh, I tried to look for some community. So I found this thing I hadn't heard about called uh, meetups. And uh, there happened to be a Bitcoin meetup. So I started going there. Um, and that was me. I can't remember exactly when it was the first time, but it was very interesting. Like uh, a lot of meetups in a bar, uh, uh, you know, once a month or something. Uh, very dedicated group, everyone on the same page. But as kind of the Bitcoin itself uh, developed, and especially towards 2017, we had a full fork war in that uh, meetup community. And uh, the Norwegian kind of early Bitcoin community or Oslo-based Bitcoin community kind of forked into Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin. And then eventually Bitcoin SV became very dominant amongst some of the early promoters of that community. So it's been very interesting to me to kind of see both what's been happening on the big scale, but also seeing that uh, in the local community. And uh, fell into rabbit hole, been there ever since. Uh, started investing way too late because... It was not the scarcity that caught my eye. It was the programmable, uh, permissionless, kind of uh, cross-border payment possibilities. Uh, so I only started investing in 2017. But yeah. And now I'm running a company called Arcane Crypto. So, yeah. What does the company do? So we're building a pr uh, private banking type platform. So uh, for... Uh, exposure to cryptocurrencies. The uh, main focus is on Bitcoin, but we also offer exchanging of others, uh, hedge funds, exposure, uh, and market research. Cool. Thank you very much, Tugan. Who wants to go next? Avi? I'll go next. Hello, guys. Uh, I'm Avi the Farmer, and uh, I discovered um, Bitcoin in uh, 2017, right after Brunerottan in the audience here. Uh, made a shit ton of money on a shitcoin uh, and uh, of course I was going to do the same and just about nailed the top in 2017 and thought for a while that I was ripped off uh, but um, discovered through 2019 that uh, there was more to Bitcoin than uh, what meets the eye and getting rich, rich quick and uh, shitcoined uh, a little bit uh, back then but uh, uh, found, my, found the right, right path after a while and have been uh, Bitcoin only since um, yeah, sometime 2019, 2020. And uh, ever since then, uh, I uh, bought a farm, uh, became a farmer, and uh, now building the greatest uh, citadel in uh, Norway for Erik and Hodlunot and uh, all the others to escape in when uh, the fiat world uh, crumbles beneath our feet. And uh, that's what I'm spending most of my time and effort uh, on right now, building building that from scratch with my bare hands. So I just came came down from the roof uh, on the main house and have started to tear down the roof. I'm going to um, change the whole roof. 
And then I took a shower, uh, chugged a raw egg and opened the beer and I'm all, all ready to go for this uh, spaces. And by the way, it's uh, Frydenden. So for all the guys coming to Norway for uh, Oslo Freedom Forum, uh, make sure to get Frydenden and not Tubor or Bareøl or uh, Karlsberg or some of the other crap that's in the Norwegian stores. Frydenden is the beer to go. That's me. Awesomeness. And you shared a a video when you're on the roof actually howling down some wood um, bef- just before the space i tried to make a slide for the for the tiles to go in uh, it's the first time i'm doing it i'm, I'm just doing everything uh, learning by doing so uh, it's going to be a lot of mistakes but i'm going to try to share some of the mistakes uh, so people can at least uh, have a good laugh at it hold the sense what's up guys my name is martin aka hold sense here on twitter uh i've had i've been interested in bitcoin for years now i bought it the first time in 2016 2017 uh only been active in the community for like a year uh i actually quit my job in the beginning of this year to work and uh, focus on bitcoin purely and all the the great community and all the great people here uh actually currently writing a book about bitcoin in norwegian i think that's going to be a very very good thing uh and uh yeah uh very early in the process still but uh, really enjoy enjoying it and uh, all the support and love i get from the community is is just excellent also host some uh events here in and in meetups here in stavanger on the west coast of norway uh, with a lot of good people so if you're ever in stavanger on the west coast of norway then please hit us up and uh I hope to see you there. Yes, and Kalks. Uh, How do I say this? Yeah, well, it's I don't know. I just put the the calc psych or calculated psychopath, I guess. After that article, but yeah, anyway, Bitcoin Maxi from yeah, the south or east of Norway. Um, been lurking on Twitter for a while. Just got active shitposting, I guess, the last two years. Had to switch some accounts and working my fiat job on a day-to-day basis. Uh, apart from that, creative soul, I guess, as well. And yeah, some of the best beers, like Avi said, also is Scouse Pills or Oz, kind of like, yeah. I guess that's enough for me. Do I say calculated psychopath every time I'm referring to you, or do you have another name? Well, it's or it's a hundred billion, maybe. I'm not that rich, but yeah. Anyway, awesome. Hundred billion. Thanks, Alexander. Yeah, hi. My name is Alex. Um, I've been in and out of Bitcoin since you could mine on your desktop. But uh, I've made all the mistakes that you can make. I've lost Bitcoin. I've sold the bottom. Um, and I stayed away from Bitcoin for a while after my bad experiences. Um, inflation started really bothering me in around 2019. So um, I took it upon myself to start a, uh, to write a newsletter about the space and what to do and what not to do to more or less safe, uh, <laughs> safeguard people from going down the wrong path. Yay. Hey, thank you, guys. And um, 
Eric, I suggest uh, if you can start with uh, a little bit about Norway, it would be awesome. Sure, sure thing. Um, I mean, we've tried to set a structure for this space. First of all, thanks to everyone who's like from the international side of things. Uh, we do have a huge and extremely active and uh, quite coordinated Bitcoin community in Norway. So it's really, really cool to get to showcase that to the world and hopefully to connect to a lot of people who may not be paying attention to what's going up under the northern lights. Because Norway is a, you know, a country that has all the disadvantages of being a modern, well-adjusted, uh, successful post-colonial nation that has largely benefited tremendously from the existing arrangements, monetary arrangements of the world. It's also a nation that has extremely well-functioning money, uh, very, very high trust in government, uh, high trust in institutions in general, uh, very, very high quality banking services. In other words, there's very little about Norway that gives people a clear case for Bitcoin as anything but a object of speculation. However, there is, like in any country, a... Uh, a black economy of ideas, so to speak. And uh, Norway is such a coordinated society that the effect of the internet and of the opening up of the world on Norway has been quite profound. And I really see that in the way that Bitcoin is being received in Norway. It's a very, very bottom-down, bottom-up uh, approach without political leaders or financial leaders having much awareness. I mean, they know there's a lot going on and they've seen there's a lot of noise in the community and so on, but the actual work being done is poorly understood. And I think part of the reason why there's a lot going on beyond just, uh, you know, people's desire for, for freedom and, and expression is also because Norway does have a lot of advantages for people who do want to be in this space. We do have a very stable regulatory environment. We have a lot of cheap, green, stranded energy. If you know how to run your business well and find local partners before coming to Norway. We do have uh, high levels of safety. It's not a dangerous place to operate in. Like uh, a lot of people can get tempted to move to uh, the Central African Republic now, I suppose. But, uh, you know, if, <laughs> if you prefer slightly higher levels of personal safety, Norway does offer uh, that. Very highly educated population. Uh, a lot of engineers, a lot of people who have the intelligence and the capacity to contribute in this space and to change the world from that side. And a lot of money, of course. You know, we're a country that has to capital both to invest out of a purely financial perspective we could become a world leader in uh, within mining even as a nation if we wanted to not a personally a big uh, advocate of uh, state uh, bitcoin but you know we could and um it's a country that has a lot to, a lot to offer i really believe there's a lot happening uh, from the bottom up and um i hope that if you're in the bitcoin space and you're thinking about where to set up business you consider norway as a place that has a lot of advantages to build on. Okay, so that's my little like pitch on Norway, but I want to open that uh, thought up because uh, we're really lucky. Like the, the crew that's together here tonight is, is definitely some of the most informed Bitcoiners, but from very, very different perspectives and angles. So um, yeah, uh, can I pass it on to you, Hard or Not? And we do a little round about things that we'd like to highlight uh, about, about Norway. So one thing that I've observed, I've spent the past week here in Norway, Norway is pretty much self-sustaining in uh, hydropower and uh, has been an exporter of energy. I'm Swedish and I noticed that there is a strong sense of nation and strong sense of nation building. 
at least if I compare it to my home country, Sweden, it feels like Norway has some some direction. And I'm thinking maybe it has to do with the history where uh, Norway actually was occupied during Second World War and had to struggle and appreciate the freedom that came after, which uh, Sweden never never had. Also, it seems to me like Norwegians are very down to earth. I heard that the government is subsidizing home farming and uh, a lot of people have uh, set up to be self-sustaining as well with uh, thermal heat for their houses and some people have their own wells, things like that. I don't know if this is a good characterization, but uh, these are some thoughts that I had for from the first week in Norway. I haven't actually uh, spent time before now in Norway, and it's an amazing country. It's so beautiful. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting to hear uh, takes from a from a Swedish uh, Swedish guy like that. Uh, like my the first thing. I would mention in terms of what, what, how is Norway maybe different from other countries. So I think it's the, the levels of trust uh, both towards the government and uh, uh, like all the institutions here, I would say, uh, is, is extremely high. Extremely high levels of trust throughout society. Also, I guess, uh, towards each other to, to a certain extent. Like, Things have worked so well in Norway. You could say that's been, I mean, I'm one of those who, who think the last two years have been very problematic in terms of how we have, uh, uh, our rights have been undermined and uh, we have moved the goalposts in society a lot towards authoritarianism, I believe. But despite this trust, I think Norway also has very functioning uh, high-functioning institutions. So we kind of got through these two last years better than a lot of other uh, nations. I mean, Sweden did too. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the first thing I think about is, is the levels of trust in society. And of course, that shapes society in many ways, both uh, positive and maybe negative. And I think I can add to that. Of course, Norway also, has also a tiny population. A total of five million people. So, uh, establishing trust uh, with a small, relative, homogeneous group is, of course, also easier. But um, historically, and this case could actually be good to be aware of, uh, the state has been very core to uh, kind of driving a lot, of, or not driving the wealth, but we've made sure to tax uh, our natural resources and redistribute effectively. And normally you have in countries that are resource-rich what is called the research resource curse, where that wealth only ends up in the very few hands, where in Norway we have been able to distribute that. And I think that is you know, supporting the levels of trust uh, that we do see. Yeah, I, I, I think I can add or... <laughs> agree with the trust uh, like Alonat said because our, our system is built or at least post-World War II has been built upon trust and, and trust that you'll receive whatever I guess is your due if you can say it that way and trust that the institutions will maybe do the right thing and 
we also trust that the state has or had the resources that they are kind of owing us. But but then, like if it's a, like now, maybe we doubt that. Like if they have a pensions in the future, then you don't trust any, anymore, you know? And maybe that is actually an element that goes into why Bitcoin has a certain traction in Norway, that it has had such high levels of trust that the undermining of that trust in recent years, and not just because of mistakes made by the Norwegian government or something like this, but there are global trends that just cause people to question old structures and narratives too, and demand, puts more demands on them. So it's easy for them to fail or to be perceived as failures in comparison to what's possible now. And uh, yeah, so I think the, the distance between the, the extremely high trust that existed and the, the rapid undermining of it might be part of the, the breeding ground for, for, for Bitcoin positive sentiment. It would also explain the kind of groups that are interested. Just to explain uh, also like how trust is in practice, I, I guess in Norway, if you send an invoice as a business uh, in 99% plus of the cases, you expect that you're going to be paid and it's very easy to transact. So uh, as opposed to other countries like in Indonesia, often you have to, you know, summon the military to go and collect dues and things like that. Um, I'm not sure if money is the best example because obviously you can in Norway you can always hire a credit company. So in the end, you're hiring a military because if you don't, and yes, you really are. Like that's not a joke. If you don't pay that bill, it gets sent to the police, and if you don't pay that bill, they come with a gun and put you in a little box and lock you up there for X amount of time. I don't know if we do that for debt anymore, but you know, yeah, at the end of the day, all laws are enforced in this direction. Um, I completely disagree with you, Eric, because okay. one of the, uh, of course, this might happen if you're kind of really. Uh, kind of uh, frauding people and not paying your bills. But what is super interesting, if you go to cabins in the market, Yes, this was, this was exactly what my point was going to get, that it's not about money. It's about going to the cabin, sort of to the train station and leaving your luggage outside. It's not about trust in paying, because trust in paying is enforced. Yeah, but I mean, so what I'm getting at is that you go to cabins where you pay for where you're staying, because they are it's not private cabins, uh, and you pay for the food, and you do it by just putting... The money in an envelope or you just now you do it on a mobile and it you self-report and people actually do pay even if it's self-reporting and even if no one else is in that cabin um i remember one was when kofi Annan was in norway in relation to winning the nobel uh, peace prize many years ago he was shocked to <laughs> see that because uh, that is probably one of the clearest examples of trust that you can come to this cabin in the middle of the mountain there's a box there with all of the payments for all of the other people who've been there for the whole winter and uh, people don't take it. So that was exactly 100% my point. And exactly, okay. even the, ex even the <laughs> it was even the example I was going to use uh, was the Sorry. cabins. Uh, uh, and the difference, that's right. Uh, the difference between the trust that you can get in financial things that are enforced or at least punished in some way, and the fact that in Norway there exists this transcendent trust, even when there are no punishment, no consequences, you can still build these structures like the cabins that just work because enough people follow the rules and you can trust that enough people follow the rules. And I heard that people leave their doors open as a standard practice. The, the door is just open to the home. Anyways, uh, billion bill, billion, billion, 100 billion. Yeah, yeah no, I, I was going to, well, like, if, if 
those people don't really know Norway. Like some of the examples from if you go out in Marka in the woods or mountains, or if you go skiing in the winter, you say hi to, or at least I do, hi to most people that you meet. And then you trust them because you have some sort of sense of community out in the woods. Um, kind of underlining that the, the cabin example with they leave keys in a box. And that, uh, that probably wouldn't happen anywhere or everywhere else. Because I've been to other countries and then you don't talk to people in the wilderness, I guess. <laughs> And um, with those really interesting observations about Norwegian trust culture, I suggest maybe we dive straight into Bitcoin history in Norway, unless somebody has something else to add about Norway in specific. Um, I, Eric, uh, I think you suggested Hodlonot kick it off. Is that correct? Yes, that's perfect. Yeah, <clears throat> I think... Uh, for for me at least, I mean, I'm, I may have missed uh, things, but it seemed to me like Norwegian Bitcoin community was it was basically tons of very small Bitcoin communities until very recently. Uh, uh, for me, it was uh, Eric with the Kongerike who kind of uh, I don't know uh, joined all of this uh, this. Uh, single bitcoiners sitting in their uh, cabins uh, or in their living rooms around norway uh, and suddenly there was a place uh, where they were united and could communicate uh, with other norwegian bitcoiners uh, apart from that i think there was mostly like very small meetups and such uh, there was no broader sense of a big norwegian bitcoin community and i was part of a, a group of bitcoiners uh, in in oslo that met up semi-regularly uh, but it was small and it was uh, very local I would say and uh, we had a we had a Bitcoin meetup here in Oslo for a while uh, it was hilariously enough uh, kind of hijacked by BSV community uh, and BSV was just this die-hard group of BSV uh, retards here in, here in Oslo for some reason uh, they were. I think they were even giving out free beer on those meetings, and they still couldn't get anyone to come. So, uh, rough times. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, it was a scattered community until recently. Uh, was was my my observation, like how the community has grown. Cool. Thanks a lot. Um, I'm just going to add on on a different perspective as well. So yeah, I think the community thing, that's one story. There's also a story of a guy called Sturle Sunda, who's a bit of a legend in, uh, should be a legend in the world Bitcoin community, but he is yeah. in the Norwegian Bitcoin community. He's trailblazed so many different legal battles and best practices for different businesses and individuals in Norway. He was a very early adopter, I don't know, 2012, 2012, uh, 11, this kind of stuff. And got very early involved with, you know, Bitcoin-oriented business towards other people. And so he quickly stumbled across problems like how to have a bank account and how to do your taxes and all this kind of stuff. And um, fortunately, the guy is both bright and 
uh, energetic enough to take these battles and take them seriously for many, many years, which has just, you know, opened the doors and made the paths available for so many of us who have come much, much later. So I'd like to highlight uh, for my for my part, just uh, Stole Sunda and his, uh, his importance as an individual for um, for the evolution of this space in Norway. Yeah, I second that, uh, Eric. I think that was great that you that you pulled him up. Uh, he he's been amazing, and he's he's basically the, the godfather of of Bitcoin in Norway, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and he, he, for the longest time, he was the only you know Bitcoin broker. And I remember buying my first Bitcoins from him in the middle of the night. I just decided, okay, I'm going to buy Bitcoins. So I went to local Bitcoins, found this random. I hadn't heard about the page before. Randall found this guy, spent a thousand euro. Uh, I, I panicked, so I tried to call the bank to cancel the transfer. The bank said, no, you can't, it's uh, initiated. And um, of course, uh, transacting with Sturla, uh, I got the Bitcoins uh, and never regretted that. <laughs> so when did, the, when did he start? And like, can you detail a bit more about 2011? Wow. And yeah. can you detail a little bit more about the battles that he fought? Because Eric told me before the space that he's fought so many legal battles that a lot yeah, of... I, I think the biggest yeah. one is against Nordea, uh, one of his banks, uh, that he took to court because Nordea closed down his bank account and he claimed that was on uh, kind of not good enough reasons. Uh, and I think he has had two rounds or at least one round and then uh, i don't know if the second has happened yet or not but uh it's mainly been uh, uh, kind of nordea has been the big uh, big battle um, um yeah i don't know if there's any other battles eric that uh, you think of so basically he forced nordea to accept his uh, local Bitcoin no, so business? Actually, actually no, they have won in court. But uh, following, but he also showed up uh, in parliament uh, very early to share his view on Bitcoin and, and knowledge uh, on Bitcoin. And in Norway, actually, we've been very lucky with the Norwegian FSA, which are relatively pro-cryptocurrencies. Uh, I, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people who's working in the FSA and they, especially when you started to have these um, uh, fifth day mail directive registrations for exchanges, they went out and told the Norwegian banks explicitly that they better open accounts for those exchanges and brokers with an approval from the FSA. So unlike the Swedish FSA, where the vice chair has made it his personal job to try to ban Bitcoin, not only in Sweden, but in Europe, the Norwegian FSA, and I spoke to them uh, a couple of months ago, where they also said that they are they, they do see some malpractice from the banks towards the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency industry. Uh, so they are discussing internally what to do about that to basically tell the banks to get their shit together. Yeah, no, that was the battle I was thinking of. It just had several chapters. What about uh, the BSV community? Uh, Hodlonot, you mentioned that there was a big rift in the community in 2017. Um, or was it with Bitcoin Cash, actually? Maybe that was the, what you meant. Yeah, I don't know how, how how big a rift you can call it, if you like have a group of sane people 
sitting around talking and then two clowns come running in and start jumping around and doing tricks. So <laughs> I guess. Uh, but but uh, just to, what meetup was uh, were they running into? Uh, no, I, I was just metaphorically speaking now. Okay, because because I think what was fascinating to me at least was that the main like driver and initiator of the meetup, uh, and with, uh, a guy called Steinhofer by Ludwigsen, he was the one constantly emailing. He deeply believed in this. He spent so much energy evangelizing Bitcoin, pulling people in. And I just find it very fascinating because I, I do completely agree with you a lot of these guys have shown their clown face <laughs> uh, over time. But uh, initially it was very unified and, and then it started to kind of really split up. Uh, and then of course it became just worse and worse. And, and yeah. Yeah, I think um, the, B, the Bcash uh, era, era or like the, the initial block size discussion. I remember I was at the meetup in Oslo and they were talking about like this one guy had mined the first uh, classic Bitcoin classic block, I believe, which was like a big block uh, implementation. Um, so there, there were like uh, quite a, an influence from the big blocker side. Uh, and, and at that time that was, I don't know, it wasn't crazy that big blockers were arguing their point back in 2016, 2017, that was natural, I think. Uh, I never agreed with them, but uh, uh, it was when when BSV split from, from, from Bcash, I think that was a completely different thing because that meant, uh, that, was, that was basically the people willing to get behind Craig Wright being Satoshi and uh, supporting that whole narrative 100% and including cheering on uh, when I got when Craig Wright put his eyes on me and uh, helping out a lot, like walking, basically walking around Oslo, taking pictures and uh, saying that the Hodlonot was here and uh, maybe maybe this is him and such like that. Pretty bad. I mean, one thing that was fascinating to me was that even the leader of, uh, the elected leader of the Association for Bitcoin and Blockchain in Norway, as it was called at the time, even he went on the BSV train. And to this day, I think he is still a avid BSV supporter, um, which to me is me is madness that there are some you know that there are some people who show up at a meetup and have differing ideas and you know challenge the narrative. And I agree that in 2017 was the time to challenge that particular narrative. If you had a point, you know, make your <laughs> speak up now or forever hold your silence. But that that went to the top of the Bitcoin community in Norway at the time, and then that even the leader went in a different direction, and and as a result, he is no longer a part of. He has no role whatsoever in the Norwegian Bitcoin community anymore. Um, Bitcoin was brutal, I suppose. Yeah. It's a it's a nice uh, illustration of uh, of the weakness of centralized institutions. I think like how easily easy it was to completely co-opt this, uh, for example, the meetup or or this association. Like mm. all, all, all you needed was basically to somehow uh, that either that being with uh, straight up economic incentives or uh, like uh, playing on their ego or something like that, so that you could uh, you could get uh, you could get the whole organization to change to change course. So. I think that's what's really like if we're moving a bit further forwards in the region Bitcoin history. Like the last two years 
has really been a big, big break from the past. You mentioned, I mean, you give me far too much credit in, with Kongrik and so on. But yeah, we provided an arena to unify. But, but beyond that, I mean, there's just the, the level of the conversation, the amount of people who are educating themselves, the width of our community, the debates we're having, the kind of people we're involving ourselves with. Um, something has definitely changed on a very big, broad scale in the last two years that I think, um, I don't know, is there anything uh, in particular that you guys uh, think of in, in recent Bitcoin history in Norway? Uh, guys, uh, before we move on from the uh, block size wars, I have a question about, um, say, key figures that were involved. Uh, so when we did the uh, Japan community space, uh, they had pretty vivid experiences from the block size wars because they had uh, Roger Ver living there and uh, he was paying uh, people in costumes to go around to all the meetups and show a Bitcoin cash. Um, did you have like similar, uh, similar kind of Bitcoin Jesus, or did 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 uh, Roger Ver himself come and and shill, or was there was there a driving force uh, that was like the main person? Not not really in a big sense, but in a small way. Torbjörn mentioned this uh, Steinhauer Ludvigsen guy. I think he was initially completely on board with, I mean Rogers uh, Bcash project and then he also branched off with Craig Wright from that. Back to your question Eric about more recent history, sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's anything in particular. I, I would like to highlight if I have to choose one. Um, we had a really, really big milestone I think in, in a silent but big milestone in spring last year when the Minister of Climate and Energy uh, went on YouTube and announced that he not only owns Bitcoin, but is hodling Bitcoin. Um, I think that was a really cool moment in like modern Bitcoin history where the, the legitimacy of the narrative obviously became much more solid. Uh, it was a great point to make to the world. I mean, among amidst a lot of ESG FUD and all this kind of stuff uh, that a sitting minister for climate and energy in probably one of the greenest nations on earth uh, not only owns Bitcoin, but hodls. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a cool moment from our recent history. Anything anybody else would like to highlight? Yeah, I think I want to highlight uh, Selling Direkis' uh, letter as well uh, at the uh, at the formation of CT that uh, Aker actually decided to invest rather heavily in Bitcoin and establish. Uh, and Aker is uh, Norway's biggest employer, I think. So huge, huge and old an old company and it's run by uh i guess the biggest uh what should we call him entrepreneur celebrity and uh businessman in, in norway selling uh he's like uh, he's like what should we say uh, uh, a version of elon musk that hasn't been uh run on nitrous oxide or something uh, He's, 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 he's a great guy. I think he, he gets a lot done. And he wrote an amazing letter about Bitcoin, uh, which also put question marks around the, the, the FUD narrative attacks on, in, in terms of energy use and, and stuff like that. I think that, was, I think that leg legitimized Bitcoin a lot uh, for a lot of new people in Norway that up until then hadn't taken it very seriously. 
can I add just one key takeaway I have had over the last year is just how many people who wish to be organized in communities. I mean, both Eric here and also Alexander, they have organized communities with thousands of people. And it just goes to show if, if there's no like active community in your country, then, then you know, take, take charge and, and organize something because there's, there's so much enthusiasm with people and there's so much knowledge. And uh, if you can organize that, then it's, it's just going to be a very good time for everybody. So I would highly encourage that. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. The community side of things have, have really helped so much. And, um, you know, the amount of knowledge that people have fucking accumulated over the past, past couple of years and that they're just dying to share with each other. And so creating those spaces, like the, the, the fucking after effects, once you start putting those people together and they start sharing information with each other and they start working on different things from having local meetups to converting their local hairdresser to a point of sales to setting up a mesh network of lightning nodes to, you know, it just goes on and on and on until you build pretty big forests of change. So, yeah, if you're out there and you're wondering, like, why isn't my country moving? Why, why are we stuck? Then, you know, start unifying start uh, talking to each other treat each other with respect and share the knowledge you've accumulated and things will happen pretty quickly so about community and uh, this entrepreneur uh, that is the owner and founder of Aker, as i understand um, does 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 the community interact uh, and include all people does uh, does the founder of Aker uh, also meet up with you guys in meetups or like come out in the media like michael saylor or in general it's a very egalitarian culture but uh, Rekke is both a fairly private man and a man who is not involved himself much in like things like debating this in public he's not going to be a guy who shit posts on twitter um and he has not shown up to any meetups but there are plenty of people who do run big businesses who are very much plebs if that's what you're Seeking for, I don't know. Tobin. Yeah, I think you summarized it well. I think uh, one thing that is a bit sad is that uh, there's very little interest. It's changing right now, but it's been very little interest from politicians, which is a bit surprising given the fairly high adoption rate uh, amongst the citizens. But uh, also when it comes. To Two big names, I think, Killing Rocky is the well, only on the one, and as you say, uh, he's, uh, he's not fighting the Bitcoin fight in public. Uh, the investor letter was awesome, but uh, since then it's been relatively quiet in terms of kind of taking a public figure. But that's probably his 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 way of being. Yeah, I read I read that letter. It was a great text and. Uh, I would put it up there together with some of Michael Saylor's best YouTube uh, interviews. Anyways, um, let's move on to whatever you guys want to talk about, what's happening today. I just want to kick it off and ask a question uh, that came from Jaime, who's one of the Global Bitcoin Fest organizers. What's happening with the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund you guys have, I think, the largest sovereign wealth fund or second largest sovereign wealth fund in the world with uh, something around 1 trillion 
dollars under management from oil money that is not being touched and uh, the proceeds are being reinvested into the Norwegian uh, society. And uh, Jaime wonders if there's any signs that uh, the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund has dabbled with Bitcoin. I did actually ask uh, the director of the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund directly a week ago about uh, my question was what instruments or mandates would be necessary for the oil fund to position itself in Bitcoin? And his answer was uh, short, uh, dismissing any interest in Bitcoin, but also revealing because he he said the reason was because he found it impossible to value Bitcoin, not an unusual accusation. But the example he gave was it would be as impossible as evaluating the value of an NFT handbag. And I just refuse to believe that the wealth manager of the world's largest sovereign wealth fund does not understand the difference between a fungible and a non-fungible asset in the market. That's just a ridiculous proposition. So I'm suspecting that that was an answer that panders to the audience. And that's the kind of answers we've been getting, uh, at least I've been getting the times I've been challenged in this point. Uh, Tobin is a bit more involved on in the institutional side of things. So maybe he, he knows a different perspective, but that's the public public side. Yeah, I, I, the oil fund is not going to invest in Bitcoin in the foreseeable future unless uh, something massive happens to Bitcoin. And I think what is important to remember is that the oil wealth fund doesn't invest in gold either. It only invests in stocks and uh, fixed income. Uh, so the mandate is very you know, limited in terms of investment instruments. Uh, they do spread that across all of the world and... <laughs> are invested in many, many places and many, many uh, companies, which means that they have indirect exposure. They are invested in uh, 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 in uh, microstrategy. So uh, there are there is this web page, I can't remember the URL anymore, uh, that a former colleague of mine, Torkil, has put up, tra- keeping track of the indirect Bitcoin exposure through listed companies for this wealth fund. So, but yeah. Uh, uh, gold and other similar investments are also not a part of the mandate. What's interesting, though, uh, the link to that uh, to that website, by the way, is Norwegian dash BTC dot fund. And what's interesting, though, is that they are invested in companies such as Marathon, uh, Riot Blockchain. And uh, yeah, Square and, and others, which which is is kind of interesting though they are they are uh, they are investing in mining companies. So I mean, there's there's obviously even Coinbase actually they have some some stock in. So it's uh, that's that's an uh, that's an interesting thing. So so who knows what the future will bring? Yeah, I guess they have to wait for us young people to get into the institutions and change their mandates. But the good thing, though, is that if Bitcoin really takes over, we'll get the exposure through the companies because one company at a time will start to be exposed and then indirectly. Uh, of course, it's much more effective and you make more money being directly um, exposed. I This was a great space. I have to run. I have an, a new meeting starting right now. Great joining and uh, been a great conversation. And hope to speak to as many as possible in the, sometime soon. See you, Tobin. See you, Tobin. Um, I guess I want to just add on to like exposures and stuff. 
God, I hate this shit. Why can't we just buy Bitcoin, huh? Why don't we have to? Why do we have to go through all these hoops and get exposures through companies that take added risk with my Bitcoin? I prefer to just have them in my little sovereign wealth fund. But that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> don't have a question to follow up. Just a complaint of the heart. Yeah, but it's, at the same time, I think we have to be aware that the kind of general narrative in, Nor in Norway, it seems to be against Bitcoin, even though the adoption is just skyrocketing. If you, if you read the mainstream papers and, and uh, the, you know, the mainstream politicians, they're pretty much all, uh, I'm not going to say all, but... Uh, a lot of them are are definitely definitely vocal against Bitcoin, and it's it's going to take some time. I I can actually understand their position that they don't do not want to like endorse Bitcoin in public because they're probably they know it's going to be be they they're going to lose that um, that battle initially at least. Uh, but but of course in the long run, I think we all have a pretty clear picture of of how this is going to turn uh, turn turn around so if you have some like clear-headed politicians that can think think forward i think they're probably gonna gonna win in the end and there's like four hundred thousand people owning bitcoin in norway now and that's like 10 percent of the the adult population so and it's only gonna grow more and more so uh if you're a politician and you want to kind of lead the way and show the way i i think it would be would be a good time it's not going to take long until we see probably more people in favor but as of now i think that the like mainstream narrative is is stacked against bitcoin i mean there was even a majority against color tvs in norway at some point so political majorities in norway do shift thankfully we all have color tvs today i i could add um I do think there's a battle of uh, perceived how many votes you can get. And I think the ESG FUD that you read about in the newspapers is some political parties take that and run. Uh, and I think it's up to us to educate the politicians with what's possible with Bitcoin and mining to actually reduce emissions. Um, I, think, I think it's more or less um, inevitable that they will see like, there's 400,000 people like Hodelsons uh, just said that that's invested in crypto and it's inevitable that we're going to grow. And at some point there's going to be a bigger interest in uh, trying to get our votes than the virtue signaling uh, ESG uh, votes that they think they can get. Like, for example, the Red Party didn't like Hodelsons Bitcoin posts. What happened? Did the Red Party report you? Uh, no, I've just been been going quite hard at them. I, I don't really see any possible of any like yeah, normal discourse with them. They're pretty. Um, I mean, some people it's possible to have a, like a discussion with. I don't see the Red Party is the Communist Party, by the way. <laughs> if anybody was wondering about that, uh, so it's uh, you're not gonna get anywhere. We kind of discussing discussing with those guys but i do find it strange they want they want to ban the proof of work mining and, and i i just wrote a post about how i find it and then basically i think if you're gonna ban proof of work mining then then you want to ban bitcoin as well if, if you're not gonna yeah you, you can't have your cake and eat it too basically but 
Yeah, I, I basically wrote that like a party in in, in one of the richest and uh, in, in the richest country in the world basically wants to ban the currency in, in two of the world's poorest countries, and so just basically using the same rhetoric that they use against them, and I think uh, yeah, uh, against people like that, against parties like that, you just you just got to go hard. And uh, if if there's people who want to discuss it civilly, of course we'll do that. But yeah, so uh, it will be interesting to see how it goes. I th- I don't think they will get get this ban through. There's too much uh, much uh, innovation being done. There's there's a lot of mining industry in Norway, so I don't really see it happening. But but who knows what the politicians will do. So in Norway, you also have um, a conference, um, annual conference, which is organized by, I don't remember, but I saw some of the replies when we were... <laughs> Alex Gladstein. Yeah, exactly. What, what's that conference? And is it attracting a lot of uh, Bitcoiners worldwide? This is super cool. So the Oslo Freedom Forum is the world's biggest human rights conference. And it's been organized in Oslo for 10 years. So it's not something new, but it's in the last couple of years, it's like taken off on a whole new level. And just like as an example, not just of how Bitcoin is going mainstream in Norway, but in the fucking world, this conference this year has an entire track just dedicated to financial freedom. And the people who are coming to speak there are the who's who's of people who matter in Bitcoin or people who are at the front of thinking or expressing themselves within the space of Bitcoin. And I think that says a lot and it attracts a lot of attention and to the Norwegian Bitcoin community, which is great. And uh, I think uh, maybe it's a coincidence, but, you know, there's a lot of things happening together. You're hosting this space. We're launching our channel in English and uh, the whole world's Bitcoiners are coming to Norway at the same time. Are the stars aligned? You tell me. <laughs> so the who's who's, you mean like Charlie Munger and Klaus Schwab? And- yes, exactly, exactly. Hoping to get uh, Jerome Powell to come. I was thinking when Hodelsense was uh, speaking just now, I wonder, I mean, the toxic, uh, the toxic Bitcoin activist, uh, like when you... When you don't uh, engage too much, you kind of just meme the person because they are so behind the curve or so obviously not going to make it that uh, engaging is just a huge waste of time. Uh, so then you then you resort to some uh, some expertise, uh, toxic maximalism. And I just was thinking if if the if this toxicity, uh, if we choose to call it that, which for me in Bitcoin is generally a huge badge of honor right? if someone says I'm toxic in, in relation to Bitcoin. Um, I wonder if that's more or less compatible with the, the Norwegian general discourse and the, and the Norwegian the, the mentality and the psychology of the average Norwegian. Uh, I wonder if any of you, you guys in this panel have any thoughts on that. If it crashes harder with in a Norwegian uh, so, uh, social setting or or like in a Norwegian discussion climate uh, online. Yeah, I I, I think maybe <laughs> I, I I don't think we're that toxic in real life. You know, if you're at a party and that would not what? go well. that that would not go well with the Norwegian mentality. I think <laughs> so. It's kind of like just seeing people and and or at least my 
strategies. I, I tell people about it once and then I don't mention it again because then they're not going to make it. Or, yeah. yeah, I definitely don't think toxic maximalism is a good strategy for cold calling people and trying to make them buy Bitcoin. But it's more like uh, when you engage with people on any subject, basically. I mean, more more like the the it's not a strategy, even more like the like the ability or the willingness to just uh, tell uh, straight up truth bombs and not uh, uh, like burden the whole conversation with a lot of huge misconceptions and lack of information that a lot of lot of discourse sadly is uh, is a result of i mean some people accuse uh, me and the kingdom for having become too toxic and so on but what do you guys think how do, how toxic is the conversation in norway around this i don't think it's too bad personally but i could be completely off oh, I, I don't think it's too toxic but i, I know there's a difference uh, of opinion when it comes to this but at the same time, I mean, I, I see a lot of Bitcoiners in Norway, a lot of good Bitcoiners who, who try to have honest discussions and it just it just doesn't go anywhere. And, and the worst part of it is probably that they often discuss on the premise of uh, the person they're discussing it with. And that premise, exactly. yeah, and that premise is usually false, right? So it's like, if it's like, yeah, energy use per transactions you know it's a typical typical one if you engage in those kind of discussions then you're just not going to get anywhere with these people and and uh, so i mean what you're going you're what you're what are you going to do in these cases uh i, I try to stay away with it and sometimes you, you meme and and you make like yeah um, i don't i always try to be respectful in the things i do i don't think we should we should always uh, have respect for each other and and i've also i also told people even if if you ha had our disagreements say let's meet up for a coffee let's have a beer uh obviously no one has said yes to that but <laughs> i i and i really mean that too because if you could meet somebody face to face i think the discussions would be a lot better but it's kind of when you're doing things online as well it's gonna it's gonna have it's kind of go it goes its own way and it's it's uh, it's of course it's it's easier going going to go down toxic path often and 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 people are going to be be more enthusiastic perhaps and maybe result to name calling online than it will do do in in real in real life so uh, yeah i think we we can always work on improving ourselves but but part part of the bitcoin culture is also the meme culture and so I think we can we can embrace both. We can be nice, respectful, and we can have good conversations. But we can also have some put some memes in there. I think that's good. Yeah, I've been seeing some some promising meme talent from the Norwegian scene. Uh, that makes me happy. Yeah, we have a lot of good memers. Um, can I just extend an invitation to people listening? If if there's any of you just who want to join us in the speakers for the last fifteen minutes, just send a request, and Hardenhout and I will you know, do our thing. And it's also one observation for me, just one little observation is the it's usually the economists that are calling names like they called was it Eric the YouTube econom YouTube Econom and they called the Swine uh, 
was it Bitcoin Econom or something? Bitfluencer. Yeah, yeah Bitfluencer. <laughs> they also called us Tumsing, Tusk, and Idiot. Yeah, and that that's when I start. I couldn't argue, and I had to make the marketer cup. So with the uh, Jan. So we have um, Jaime. He has a question about, um, say, the general culture in uh, Norway. I remember, Eric, you told me that Norway has uh, more of a maxi culture than uh, uh, other Nordic countries. But um, I'll let Jaime ask the question himself. Jaime is one of the organizers of Global Bitcoin Fest. Hey, Jaime. Hey, Lucas, uh, thanks for letting me up. Uh, yeah, that was my uh, general question really for you guys is like, is where's Norway kind of in that uh, Bitcoin journey? I, I, you know, because I find that people are either oblivious, no coiners that are misinformed or they're shit coining, right? It, where is it? And then, there, of course, there's, you know, some populations that are maxis, but, you know, they're just really like, groups and so where where is uh norway in that sort of a continuum if you will well in my opinion we this might be one of our biggest strengths uh norway has a much more maxi community than our neighbors in sweden and denmark and um partially i'd like to take some credit and partially i'd like to extend some gratitude because i definitely think that the the community and the work that uh, we've done in the kingdom and, and not just people, but all, all the content creators and the community organizers in the kingdom. We've been very focused on Bitcoin and we've also been on a journey together, right? So even like the language we've used around this has become more refined in terms of uh, keeping it purely Bitcoin. And that is uh, like members of a party almost without drawing that analogy too far, has definitely brought a lot of people's mindset or focus or attention in the direction of Bitcoin maximalism. I'm pretty sure that has had a significant effect. And then there's, of course, the fact that there's a lot of people in Norway that have done, uh, you know, taken fairly aggressive, impressive, brave action on their own and gotten themselves involved in conflicts and problems that, you know, uh, to a non-maxi seems uh, like madness, but then then later on inspire a similar action from ourselves. And I can mention Stula Sunde taking the battle with Nordea and Hot or Not taking the battle with Craig Stephen Wright and um, other elements like this that come together to create a, a sense that we do have idols within, within Maxis that then allowed us to generate a community that has a very coherent, I think, uh, coherent message uh, and are pretty good at making sure that people stay on the narrow path. We're pretty good at recruiting people too, I gotta say, from crypto into Bitcoin. So I don't know, other people's perspectives on this. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Keep keep the work good work up. Yeah, I, I almost feel like some people think it's embarrassing to even say they have crypto now. And uh, uh we've had a couple of local meetups here, and there's like when I ask people if, if they have other stuff, they're they're almost ashamed to to say and uh, I, I, it's like they're, they're almost afraid of telling me and and we're just having normal conversation like I'm not gonna call you out if you if you buy something else but uh, I'm going to to uh, I'm not I'm not gonna like go into deep discussions about some some shitcoin but but uh, but I, I can try to convince you why I think Bitcoin is the best so 
I don't think people should be be afraid of saying it as as long as they have uh, good intentions uh, behind the discussion. Then it's just it's just fine. And as a lot of us has said already, I mean, we all basically all of us have have had a shitcoin back in the day, right? Uh, we, we we see the diversification strategy and think, oh, we need sef- several different uh, cryptocurrency to kind of uh, off-put the risks and so on. And it, it, it takes some time. And for and for, for a lot of people, it, it will take years before they understand why it's Bitcoin only, right? So we got to be patient with patient with people. And, and as long as they're, they're good people, we... we we let them use their time and try to figure things out and we will just be consistent with our message. And in the end, they will see that, uh, that we were right. So uh, when we are on <clears throat> an adjacent topic, um, I would like to ask, hold on not, and I don't want to ask you the details of, you know, uh, the court case and all that stuff. Uh, but I would like to ask on a personal level, this is something that I've been thinking about yeah, you know, every time I hear about the case and uh, the fight that you're doing, I mean, it must be incredibly draining to do this work that you're doing. I mean, it's 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 pretty much a job. It seems it seems like. I mean, nobody wants to be in a legal battle. How does it feel? Yeah, you are absolutely correct. It's uh, it's a huge uh, uh, undertaking to. To, to stand in it and yeah, it's actually two court cases there, there's one big set of legal proceedings in the united kingdom and then there is one here in norway um so yeah it's uh, it's draining uh or draining is maybe the wrong word because generally i live quite well with it but uh like at times uh it it escalates and uh like there is a lot and there is like uh the last period has been pretty rough, to be honest, because uh, yeah, there are some uh, some challenges, uh, and uh, the potential consequences are just uh, <laughs> just mind-bending, you know. That uh, that there is an uh, an actual chance of me losing everything I own and uh, just you know getting hundred percent wrecked and bankrupted personally, uh, which is a big deal so it's all about not not thinking about the negative outcomes i think and uh, and and, uh, and and fighting fighting this thing as best as i can but it's it's definitely stressful as fuck so, so and it's been it's been more than three years which is insane to me that this has lasted for, for three years right now so do you feel that you're getting uh, a good support from the community nationally and internationally and and is there anything that pleb like myself or anyone listening can do to contribute to yeah make it a little bit easier yeah i think i um, i get a lot of support and i can feel the support and uh, the love from a lot of people which um it humbles me a lot uh, it really does this uh, this thing uh, and i i don't think it would be possible to at least uh, it would be much more difficult for me to stand in this if I didn't have that support. So uh, I'm I'm super thankful for that. And I, the answer is a big yes. I do feel a lot of support, which is great. So thanks. Yay. Okay. So 
all power to you for taking this fight. Um, it's yeah. uh, very appreciated. If if and when I, I win this thing finally, and I can put like uh, two lines uh, under dancer and it's uh, it's it's one. Uh, oh my god, that's gonna be that's gonna be an epic celebration. That's gonna be a fucking amazing party, and I'm gonna probably be making some some choice tweets uh, as well during that party, which may or not may or may not relate to. Uh, who Satoshi Nakamoto is and is not. So if you if you feel ever feel the need to rage drive uh, on a motorbike through the most crazy city in the world in Saigon, uh, I invite you to Saigon to rest up in our little apartment there. Uh, That's amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I I have a question to Avi as well. Avi um, is a citadel builder. Uh, in Norway on his farm building a citadel for all the Norwegian Bitcoiners. Avi, is there like a citadel a community as well where you like share tips and uh, you build together or are you the, the citadel of citadels in Norway? So uh, currently we're a growing community where I live with uh, me and my dog uh, but uh, we're uh, expecting to grow uh, in high numbers in the coming years. Uh, it was a little tongue-in-cheek that uh, this will be a place to retreat to when the fiat world uh, crumbles. But uh, at the same time, you never know. Uh, there's um, a lot of stuff going on uh, with regards to uh, food um, uh, safety and uh, uh, food production, both worldwide and uh, in Norway specifically at the moment with um, prices for uh, fertilizer uh, in the U.S., uh, I heard um, one of the guys from uh, Regenerative Agriculture Twitter on TFTC, uh, I think last week or earlier this week, uh, talk about the 5x in fertilizer costs in the U.S. Uh, and here in Norway, it's about 3x, um, a little depending on when you buy it. Uh, but it's uh, definitely drastic things happening to uh, supply chains with food and uh, of course the war in ukraine is not helping with that at all uh, as that's when the countries in europe uh, which produces the most um, the most food so uh, yeah i think uh, even though citadels are uh, kind of a you know uh, kind of a meme uh, for now uh, i think it will be uh, definitely be a thing in the future but to answer your question more directly, there's not a community around that in Norway, as far as I'm concerned. But you're leading the way. And uh, do you have other Bitcoiners that are curious about what you're doing and uh, reaching out? So I'll, I'll mention, uh, once again, do a shout out for, uh, for Brunerottan in the audience. Uh, he, uh, he comes from the same small town that I do. It's about... Uh, uh, 200 people uh, living here and um, he's uh, also uh, looking at um, building a citadel in uh, in uh, yeah, close to where I live uh, but uh, you know it's uh, like a lot of things with us humans we say uh, I'm gonna do that uh, one time and uh, it's uh, very easy to postpone it year after year so for everyone thinking about doing it uh, I'm um, imploring you to really look into doing it at once and not waiting because it's uh, a really fulfilling thing to do to build something with your own hands uh, not only for yourself but also for 
generations to come in your own family. Thanks. I'll stop hogging the mic and asking questions here. And we have two new guests, Fernando and Emil. I think Emil may be Norwegian. I know Fernando for sure is not Norwegian. I think he lives in Brazil or something. Um, yeah, I am Norwegian. Uh, how did you know? Just a kiss. <laughs> well, uh, sorry. I'm actually at a kind of noisy road. So I don't know if you can hear me. But... Um, if you can't hear me, I just want to say that uh, I kind of came into this conversation uh, a little cynical because I kind of felt like Norway has been like a shithole when it comes to Bitcoin. And I, I also haven't lived in Oslo, so I haven't really had the opportunity to go to any meetup uh, the last couple of years. But I just want to say that uh, hearing people talk about the meetup in Oslo turning BSV and uh, meet up with Andreas Antonopoulos, it really just um, is mind-blowing because I was there and I watched it happen and I also read the thing from Akko, it was just a year ago, and just to hear that it's people out there going through the same uh, thoughts as me that are Norwegians is pretty mind-blowing, so I just want to say thank you, it's awesome. Join uh, discord.gg is course like Kongerika, so better than many other people. Awesome. <laughs> hey, Lucas. Hey, what's up, Fernando? Hey, all good, man. All good, man. You almost had it. I'm from Argentina, but I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck up your head right now. I uh, actually grew up in uh, in Oslo, so I speak fluent Norwegian and uh, consider myself even more Norwegian than an Argentinian, uh, to be honest. So I just wanted to come up here and say. I'm uh, really proud of everybody uh, fronting uh, Norwegian uh, Bitcoiner community. Uh, I'm trying my best to uh, follow all the uh, all the content that you're uh, that you guys are pulling out, and it's really really good to see that there's some uh, real uh, real action uh, happening. I do got a question, maybe a couple of questions baked into one. To be honest, um, it's over a decade since I last uh, lived in Norway, though, and uh, the impression that I have from like Norwegian society is that is it's pretty homogenous, right? Like culturally, and uh, there's a lot of collectivism happening. Uh, I think after you know the Second World War, grand majority of all the parties that has been uh, in, in in government has been pretty socialist, pretty left leaning on the heavy side. Somebody was was talking about a communist party still being alive today, and it's always a part of some coalition. Always, um, I also remember when I. When I was growing up in Norway, there was something called Jantelovem, which is kind of like a thing that was embedded in Norwegian folklore, which is a thing where it's like, okay, don't think that you can actually be an individual outside of the collective. So I'm wondering, like, with that said, and I guess that's one of my first question, like, is this still a thing in Norway culturally? Is like how people psychologically think. But second, what kind of arguments or how do you orange peel uh, other Norwegians? Because I don't know, based on what I just said, I don't know if the freedom part and the individualism of Bitcoin actually makes sense. So is, uh, what is the biggest argument that you guys have done that has had the most success when you try to orange people, orange peel people? I said the investment part is uh, the technology part. Curious to know like, what has been the most effective argument. For me, it's always been the one sentence of Bitcoin treats the fishermen the same as the president. 
And that really works with Norwegians. The idea of equality and solidarity is something that strikes a strong chord. It doesn't know the difference between a fisherman and a president. Pass that on. I want to add on that one, and uh, I totally agree with Eric. Uh, the other thing is, uh, in Norway, uh, most people own their own houses, uh, which is a little different from, for example, well, the rest of the world, but uh, specifically Sweden, which is our neighbor country. Uh, almost everyone in Norway owns their own house, or traditionally has done so. Uh, and uh, we also like to do things on our own, like a lot of people uh, learn how to do like small things like building uh yeah renovating the house or painting their house uh, it's not that common to put things out to others so outsource it to uh, companies or uh, other or other people doing it for you uh, so i've um experienced that uh, saying like um you you can be in charge of your own money like you're in charge of your own house or in charge of your own life it has been um uh, successful in uh, orange peeling people yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's that's something that I that I really saw when I was growing up and walking around the streets of Oslo. Like in every third house, there's like some dude on the roof tinkering on something. There's always like this this uh, incredible notion of building your own stuff and and a lot of integrity that comes with it. Uh, yeah, cool, interesting to hear your your, your points of view. Yeah, I wanted to comment on the, you mentioned Jantelöven because I was <clears throat> I was thinking of Jantelöven earlier when I when I when we talked about the toxic Bitcoin maximalist, because being an outspoken toxic Bitcoin maximalist is probably pretty much uh, diametrically opposite of the of like adhering to Jantloven, I would say. Uh, I, but I don't think Jantloven is is too strong in Norway anymore, at least not in the big cities. Maybe it's different out on the countryside. I'm not even sure. But also, like the modern version of Jantelöven, like the woke Jantelöven, I guess. Maybe there, there is some kind of a horrible monster living in the minds of young Norwegians, which is some terrible version of Jantelöven with wokeness introduced to it or something. Uh, but uh, it feels to me like what was different with Norway 20 years ago is, is less different now that uh, as a result of internet and uh, how we communicate across borders and stuff. We're, we're not that different anymore. This is kind of my my feeling. Yeah, I, I also feel like it's less present. Jantelöven. Uh, it, uh, at least in the cities, you can be more of... You can be more independent or you can... Uh, and it probably has to do with the private sector as well. Or people being showing off more i guess that that wouldn't happen uh, 20 years ago probably uh, and my best argument for orange peeling people is actually the savings argument it's like if you just want to save then you have to put store value somewhere that that's what hits my yeah my friends i guess so Jantelagen, I'm not sure uh, for the audience that it was well explained. Does somebody mind uh, explaining the Jantelagen to the audience? There was a book written 100 years ago called a Refugee Crosses Tracks. It's a Danish book. And in it, it talks about a guy coming back to Denmark. And when coming back to Denmark, after having experienced a lot abroad, he 
finds that all of his experiences and all of his knowledge and everything that he could contribute is not valued because the law and the social law is that you shouldn't go abroad and become something. You shouldn't think that you are something. You shouldn't think that you're better than somebody, etc. It's basically any variation of the law that says that you should not put yourself forwards in any way. Um, guys, I have had a very long evening. I did the broadcast with Knut, but this space is going great, and I encourage you guys to keep talking. So I'm going to jump out and just thank everybody who joined us and thank Lucas a lot for organizing this and everybody at the whole Global Bitcoin Fest. Like, really appreciate this. It's a great, great chance for us to meet you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed interacting with the Norwegian Bitcoin community. I hope you also follow our YouTube channel. Um, you can go to my Twitter profile and you'll, you know, you'll work it out from there or you Google us on YouTube or whatever you want to do. Follow us and you'll be able to join our journey. And yeah, thank you all so much. Like, uh, I fucking love the Bitcoin community, guys. You guys are awesome. I'm learning so much from you and I'm really grateful. So take care, everyone. Thanks for putting this together and uh, together with Hodlona. Super awesome. Of course, we have uh, our uh, co-organizer, Alexandria, uh, from Zimbabwe. He uh, is a Bitcoiner in Zimbabwe and has uh, actually really interesting stories uh, of uh, how things work over there. But uh, he also has uh, quite good questions. Uh, hey, Alexandria, what's up? Hey, Lucas. Hey, guys. Um, awesome space. Yeah, I wanted to ask, um, you, you guys have like a really strong community um, in, in Norway, which I find really exciting. So I wanted to ask, what's more important when you, whenever you're creating this, um, this community and these meetups? Is it the education or is it the entertainment? Um, I noticed you guys said about giving like free beers. Um, so what's more important to you? Like, uh, is it the combination of both? Um, how, do you, how do these meetups work? As far as I know, no one in here has been. I mean, yeah, whole sense. You, you, you were running some meetup. Maybe, maybe you can answer that question. Yeah, yeah, we have we have uh, organized some some local meetups here now for about uh, yeah, it's, it's not not long ago since we started actually only a couple of months back and uh, uh, it, it was mostly due due to wanting to to meet like minded people. Um, and we have like engaged on on Twitter, and we just want to. And we saw there were several people living nearby, so we thought, you know, let's meet up for a couple of beers and let's see what happens. Uh, and it, it it was just we didn't really know what to expect. We just wanted to meet some new people and, and uh, kind of exchange ideas, basically. And so it was like part, partially to to for fun, and there was also some some level. Can we? Can we get something out out of this as well? Can we can we perhaps cooperate with with something or do something else together? And uh, yeah, it was it was it was exciting to watch as well because the first time we did it, it, it was three people meeting up, and the next time after that, it was like 15, 20 people, and now it was actually um, the, this this week on Tuesday. We we also had one, and we were not that many de- back then. But but I mean, at the amount of quality in these talks and enthusiasm, and uh, I mean, Bitcoin people are really great people in many ways, and they're principle, and they have good values, and they're just all around uh, great to be around. 
So I think it, it started as something fun, and I think it, it might turn out to be a lot more than that. I think we're going to, to do stuff together eventually. Actually, we, we had talked about a little bit about it already. I, I've only met these guys a couple of times, and I, I almost, I, 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 I would say I consider them friends already. So, uh, I mean, I think, I think you should just uh, have, have an intention. I mean, organize an event, have an intention of just having fun, meet some new people, and take it from there. But there's so much enthusiasm, as I said earlier. There's so much knowledge, uh, so much support and love in this space. So if you're you're having a meetup, you're gonna meet some some great people for almost guaranteed. So I would encourage everybody who's and that's I, I got I just gotta add to that by the way, and that's that's like one of the most common feedbacks that I get uh, from people. It's like, oh, I wish I could meet more Bitcoin people, and I just tell them you just have to organize it, and it's not difficult difficult at all. You just you just uh, you just make an arrangement. Let's go to that bar bar at that time, uh, or wherever it is. And you know, people will show. And if it's this, if it's two, if it's twenty people, it doesn't really matter because usually the the quality of conversation is going to be really high. So I really encourage people to do that. So one observation that I have from the singer, it is the Saigon Bitcoin community, is that Cadence is really uh, a winner. They've been going every week since two thousand fourteen, and um, it's a really strong core group um, there. We have um, first, last, sir. I suggest that uh, be the last question, and then we move to each person's thoughts. Hey, first, last, what's up? Hey, man, hey, man. Uh, hope everyone's doing great. Um, in Norway, um, how has other governments um, up at coin in terms of have they uh, been... Uh, are uh, 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 willing to look into it, or have they also been rejecting it in terms of, uh, of terms of not seeing it as something that is worth to try and integrate in some way in, um, in the country? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the best qualified, or I don't feel like I have a a definite or or answer or a good summary of that. But like, I mean. They've been very willing to accept the uh, tax on Bitcoin. I can tell you that. Uh, and uh, apart from that, apart from that, I think they've just been, you know, basically lagging behind. Uh, not at, at the they they have not been innovative and embracing at least, but they also haven't been, you know, uh, talking about banning Bitcoin or anything like that. Uh, one political party has uh, suggested that Bitcoin mining, uh, proof-of-work mining, should be banned. Uh, I don't think that has gotten much traction yet, but uh, I'm pretty sure, and I can see it to, to, to some extent, that the, the ESG climate narrative uh, is being weaponized against Bitcoin also here in Norway, and probably increasingly so in the future, I would, would be my guess. And uh, just curious, uh, first, last, uh, sounds like you may be uh, from Zimbabwe or South Africa, is that correct? Uh, yes, I am from South Africa, yeah. Uh, just also want to have a look at how um, 
other governments around the world have been uh, having a look at Bitcoin because I do know that in Europe that there's a pretty strong a, a negative um, um, a perspective towards in terms of the states over there. But I do, I, I, but I've noticed that like in terms of the smaller countries in the EU, they are more willing to look into it because they aren't benefiting as much uh, from the euro. Yeah, I think you're correct. Uh, first class uh, that the smaller countries in the EU may have shown more interest. Uh, it has to be said though that Norway is not part of the EU. Uh, it is part of the European Economic Zone. Uh, if that's what it's called, maybe I butchered the, the acronym. But uh, we're, we're basically, we're not a part of EU on paper, but we implement uh, a lot of what has, what's being decided and done in the EU. But we still have a little more uh, wiggle room and uh, sovereignty in terms of potentially having our own policies on Bitcoin uh, apart from what the EU decides. Yay. And um, a little addition, I got a question. Is Jante Lagen a, a Nordic concept? And yes, it is, Jaime. Jante Lagen also exists uh, or is rumored to exist in Sweden, even though I think uh, it is a little bit of uh, a concept on its way out. And Jante, I think, may has its origin in Jag är inte, meaning I am not. So Jante Lagen, the law of I am not. I'm not worthy of uh, X, Y, Z. And as a friend of mine said, a decade ago or something, uh, Jante Lagen is my best friend because it helps me succeed because everybody else is holding themselves down. A little joke. Anyways, um, would um, Emil um, want to uh, share some roundup thoughts? Would you share some of your closing thoughts? Um. I don't really have much thoughts. I was kind of enjoying the conversation. I don't feel like I have much to add, except that uh, when I come back to Norway, uh, I would love to meet some of you guys. Uh, but I, I was curious, does anybody know if there's a meetup going on in Stavanger or in the, that part of the country? Yes, we have meetups in Stavanger. So connect with me. Cool. And uh, yeah. We will have one when you get home. Yeah, right. That's awesome. Bro, bromance, bromance between Hoddles and Emil <laughs> incoming. In <laughs> nice one. Hey, Alexander, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Uh, I could just say I'm really excited for uh, Bitcoin's future in Norway. Um, I also think it's a bit of a shame that the politicians are unwilling to look at Bitcoin because we're, we've been talking for 20 years, what are we supposed to do when the oil runs out? And we have sort of the best advantages of any country that I know to mine in the gold with hydropower and we could utilize Bitcoin in ways that most countries can't do. So um, I think that's a bit of a shame, but uh, all in all, I think we're a really strong community growing every day and I just love the Bitcoin community. Calp Psych, 100 Bill Nock, divide, infinite divided by 21 million. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm excited also for, for the future. Uh, 
something I'm interesting is also adoption in Norway. I mean, like, where can we use it? Can we go to any restaurants? But I guess that's not yet. Um, and lightning, of course. Um, but but yeah, I went to my first meetup two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So I'm excited. I think this was a great conversation. And uh, yeah, not anything else to add, but it gives a sense of community. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, hold on, Sense. What's up? What's up, man? I'm just going to repeat the same point again. And that's is one thing that's very important to me. And there's uh, the fact that there's so much thirst for knowledge uh, and information in this space. And there's so much enthusiasm with people that uh, please connect with your, with your local crowd or from other people around the world and make something happen because there's so many great ideas. And there's so much good, talented, intelligent people with resources, uh, a lot of resources. So, I mean, uh, get together, people. Let's make this uh, a remarkable and uh, a remarkable time. And, uh, yeah, I would just encourage everybody to, to if, if, you, if there's something you're thinking you want to do, just go ahead and do it. So don't let any mental barriers stop you from from doing what you want. Yes. Hey, Alexandria. Yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah, this was a super awesome space. I think it's one of the few spaces where I've, um, I listened to you guys and I felt super inspired. I mean, you guys went and you did um, you did legal battles. Uh, you you created communities that even were there when there was first break on wars. Uh, in most countries, there are no communities at all. So I'm really inspired by that. Thank you, guys. It was super awesome. Hey, Avi. Um, yeah, thanks for a great chat, guys. Um, I just want to say I hope to see as many of you as possible on the Oslo Freedom Forum. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you can still get uh, tickets. Uh, I haven't checked since I bought, but I'm uh, guessing you can still get tickets. So um, I think that's going to be a great conference. And uh, they have, uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, their own section about um, uh, financial freedom. So uh, I think it's been going to be a great meetup and uh, um, perhaps not uh, Bitcoin-dominated, uh, but uh, pretty Bitcoin-focused anyway. So um, looking forward to that. Maybe if I want to come visit your uh, citadel, can, can I drop by? Have a coffee? You're welcome anytime. I'm uh, about an hour from uh, Oslo and it's an uh, easy train connection. So uh, I'll come pick you up at the station if you want. Love it. For sure. Hey, Jaime. Hey, Lucas uh, and the, everybody from Norway and the Bitcoin community. Thanks for uh, getting this space up and going. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Learning uh, lots about uh, you guys in the community. So. Thanks for answering my questions. Um, hey, we're also trying to get uh, Global Bitcoin Fest uh, Twitter handle to to get past the 3,000 uh, followers mark. So if everybody can retweet this space and just share share this space with your friends and family and um, and your networks, uh, that would be awesome. And uh, you know, I don't I don't think it means anything. <laughs> we just sort of like we're so close to getting 3,000 that we're like, hey, let's push for it. So, but thanks a lot. Really learn a lot, and uh, yeah, keep going, guys. Uh, hold on, do you want to round up first, or because um, uh, um, 
we write it up, Bitcoin jig and first, uh, last, um, how do you want to do it? Yeah, I mean, I, I can just say my, my little piece, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I had a great time talking to you guys today, which, uh, uh, as it happens, that's what, that's what happens every time I talk with Bitcoiners pretty much. So I think the, the takeaway for, for anyone listening to this should be to talk to more Bitcoiners, uh, both on Twitter and maybe you can find uh, a meetup close to you and actually meet, meet other Bitcoiners because it's very inspiring and it's uh, very interesting. And, uh, I learn a lot, uh, Every time I talk to talk with Bitcoiners, and and I get inspired, and I get bullish, because I'm just I've been consistently just wildly bullish on Bitcoin for a long time now, and uh, I just get more bullish uh, on Bitcoiners every time I I speak with them, and there are so many great Bitcoiners in Norway now, so yeah, everyone should try to to meet up and uh, and build build the. Uh, connections in this amazing community thank you so much Holonot, and thank you so much for co-organizing this and co-hosting this uh, it was a, a pleasure and we have bitcoin jig a bit eager to say something hey what's up hey um yeah i'd really enjoyed this conversation i've been just listening in for a bit but i just wanted to share how cool it was to uh, join this meetup in Bergen in October. And I've been constantly looking for more meetups, but I haven't found any. So if anyone knows about stuff happening in the second biggest city of Berg uh, of Norway, I'm ready to come and meet people. Great. If anyone's a Norwegian Bitcoin close to Bergen and knows about uh, meetups in Bergen, um, add Bitcoin jig and uh, bring him along. I think maybe uh, Kongeriket uh, uh, is, uh, is a good uh, source for that. Is, it, is that correct? Can you find meetups on kongerik.et? Is that correct? You can find it on the Discord. So there's a Discord chat and um, uh, anyone is welcome to join that Discord chat. Is it correct? Yeah, I think it's discord.gg slash kongerike. Ah, great. Perfect. We learned that as well. And we have uh, first last that had a bit problems technically earlier. First last. Hey, you want to share? Yeah. Hey, as I also speak, my phone just failed on me. I don't know how. I don't know why, but we're there. We're there. Um, but I just want to say... And thanks for having these kind of spaces because I have been learning about all this on my own for like the past three years. Um, this is the first year I'm actually on social media being active. Didn't even know community like this even existed. So I got curious and went on Twitter. So I'm glad that these spaces exist. Um, I really enjoyed going to learn about our different countries and how they go about uh, with their own kind of mentalities from their own regions with how they embrace Bitcoin and also about the concepts of having our meetups is, is it's like what can I say like it's pretty new to me so yeah but like I'm pretty glad that these spaces exist really am even though I don't have the time for it for now but I definitely try to do my best to try and attend these things but yeah uh, thanks everyone keep calm stack sets namaste yes 
Thank you very much. And that's a great segue, I think, to what we are all about at Global Bitcoin Fest. We're just a group of plebs. We love hearing local stories. We love connecting Bitcoiners across communities with each other. And uh, uh, magic happens. We do these spaces uh, once a week, but we also do uh, spaces that are non-topic specific once a week, uh, where uh, Global Bitcoin Fest organizers and ex-guests are welcome to come up and uh, just have a chat what's happening in the different countries. I've had a blast listening to you guys. And um, I think a lot of the ideas that I felt that I got in the past week talking to Norwegians here when I've been in Norway has been confirmed um, in this space. So I'm happy that it wasn't just my own imagination, but it was actually reality about uh, the Norwegians being uh, a people with a sovereign tradition, people owning their own homes and um, and uh, tinkering with their homes. And uh, for that reason, maybe having a bit more of an inclination towards Bitcoin. I also uh, was uh, surprised to hear that uh, the, the Eric has had a conversation with uh, uh, the Sovereign Wealth Fund manager about Bitcoin. And uh, uh, yeah, it was quite clear that maybe they weren't there, but at the same time, they own uh, different kinds of shares with very heavy exposure to Bitcoin. So maybe uh, some analysts there are still uh, still a little bit uh, orange-pilled or thinking about uh, Bitcoin. What do we know? Maybe maybe uh, it's, uh, it's growing from the grassroots there as well. And... Um, yeah, it was uh, great to hear the different voices as well. Uh, the uh, Norwegian Bitcoiners that have been around for a while and seen the block size wars and the split in the community and um, and also uh, yeah, the different kind of uh, engagements across Norway. So thank you very much for this, guys and girls. And uh, any, uh, yeah, one thing actually. So we usually end the space by um, everybody that is local um, opening their mic. So if you can unmute your mic. And um, I would like to know what is... Uh, AV, please also unmute. And Hodlonot also unmute. Everybody unmute your mics. Um, I'd like to know, how do you say bye in Norwegian in, or in different ways in Norwegian? Shep. 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 Is that it? Is this any longer version? Back. Okay. Let's all say... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that stacking? <laughs> okay. So let's say goodbye together in Norwegian. Shep. <laughs> Jeff, guys. Hello. 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 I'm Bye bye. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you. Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate.
Corruption with Bitcoin Communities Worldwide.